We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa a Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. All right, for me, uh, I'm going to go a little bit off the board here, but I am going to go Chelsea. I'm going to go with Michi Batshuayi because what he has done, it's so impressive that he has a goal and an assist in about 16 minutes. This is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast brought to you by rotowire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For news, rankings, projections, DFS lineup optimizers, and more, head over to rotowire.com slash soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Gottlieb and Andrew Laird. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. I am your host, Mike Gottlieb. And with me, as always, is Andrew Laird. And we have a special guest today. He uh, he might be fresh out of college, but soon we're all going to be working for him one day. He's the fresh prince of F- FPL, Mr. Chris Owen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mike and Andrew. I really appreciate it. Uh, happy to come on and talk a little bit of soccer. 
All right. And yes, talk we will because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, first of all, just a quick update. Uh, I went two and one this weekend in our season long leagues. Uh, I believe Andrew, uh, what did you go? Three no. And uh, did you beat one of us? <laughs> I did. <clears throat> I wasn't going to bring it up, but thankfully, thankfully you did. Yeah. But yeah, Chris and no, I no. face each other in the Rotowire League, and um, I did win that one. Yes. My feelings are a little bit hurt right now about it, but uh, <laughs> I'll have to bounce back next week. This is what happens when we are on uh, when we control who comes on the podcast, Mike, because. Chris is a big Liverpool supporter, and so we were talking about having him on. And when Liverpool uh, beat Arsenal, I said, "Oh, sorry, we're, we're not going to be able to have you on this week." And then I stomp him in Taga, but I'm so now I'm willing to have him on. Oh, and uh, well, we'll talk about how Liverpool did this week uh, in terms of their real game as well. So uh, plenty of good, plenty of good times to come for Chris. So. Yeah, a little rookie hazing. That's all. Yeah, yeah. we definitely had him on at the 100% correct time. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so let, let's do let's do all the updates of all the games here. Let's uh, let's start off with the Friday night football, the first the first one of the season and the the last one until uh, me and Chris's teams actually play each other in week five. Oh. Uh, so that'll be fun. But uh, it was Manchester United two, Southampton zero. Uh, I was very excited and Andrew was very excited because we both are proud owners of Paul Pogba in one of our se- uh, one of our season long leagues, and he delivered the goods, Andrew. Yeah, there was that giveaway on his first pass uh, that everybody was making such a big deal about, and then he was just dominant. And everything that he did, um, I forget where I saw it this morning, but basically uh, Pogba's, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. <laughs> uh, Pogba's ability to kind of move all over the field allowed Zlatan to stay much higher than he did in the opener. And, you know, if you can keep Zlatan as close to the other goal as possible, then you're doing something right. Yeah, and I, I was tweeting all throughout the game, and basically my la- my largest retweet was when I added a little gif of a robot falling into a hole uh, <laughs> when I was saying that Nathan Redmond, uh, seeing the likes of Nathan Redmond, Dusan Tadic, and uh, I forgot who the third player was, seeing them try to tackle Pog Pogba was just was comical. <laughs> uh, it was it was it was it was basically like watching someone just fall right into a hole. You just skip by people like they weren't even there, and uh, I mean Chris. I mean, I mean, I said this is what I said to sum up the, at least the first half. You know, I said that you know Southampton played better as a team. You know, putting moves together, but the Manchester United just kind of shined right through. Uh, would you agree or disagree with that statement? Yeah, I'd 100% agree with that. Uh, you saw where you, the uh, star players like Pogba and Rooney and Zlatan were able, able to deliver the goods. Where you know Southampton, they came with a pretty good game plan, but unfortunately, they just didn't put anything together that in front of goal and where we saw uh, Manchester United take their chances and really finish them well. And it helps that they have a, uh, a guy who knows how to finish pretty well as well. Yeah. And Andrew, uh, I mean, as someone who has been pros, uh, pros Laton as well, you're saying he's gonna be one of the better options going into the season. Um, you got, it's, it's almost unreal to see how, how big of a presence he is so quickly. Yeah, the, everybody was like, oh, you know, he hasn't played in the Premier League. He's old. I mean, we should obviously uh, qualify that it's worth th- three games into his tenure if you include the Community Shield. So, uh, you know, it's a long, very long season. That Christmas period is just brutal, and uh, he hasn't really played through one like that. But right now, um, it's going to be really fun to see whether he or, or Sergio Aguero are kind of the clear-cut golden boot favorites, you know, come November even just because – you know, 38 goals, like I realize League Un is like a, a much weaker league, but 38 is a lot of goals. And, uh, you know, even if you have that, that's still a lot for the Premier League. And so I think what we're seeing from Ibrahimovic right now is like 
kind of the best that we were, thought we were going to get. And it's just great that that's what we're getting. Yeah. And for me, just as a uh, just as a, something else to throw in there, Luke Shaw was also very nice, very good in this game, getting forward, going down the left side where they were just looking dangerous the entire night down that left side. And Antonio Valencia even got in the in the mix of things offensively in the second half when the play started to open up. So against the weaker teams, I think both of those guys are pretty safe plays because they like to get forward and. You know, as a Jose Mourinho team, they're, they're likely to get some clean sheets as well. Uh, one thing that I will also specify, I was watching the game from end to end. Jose Mourinho was getting increasingly frustrated with Juan Mata as the game went on. Uh, so <laughs> and, and Mkhitaryan came on and Andrew and Chris, uh, Andrew first, um, you know, one word, yes or no, is Juan Mata, are Juan Mata starting days over? Yes. Yes. So if you had Juan Mata, it was nice while it lasted, but it's t- I think it's time to either sell or just get rid of one way or the other until he lands on a new team. If he does. Yeah. Well, I mean, Everton like Manchester rejects. That's, that's what we've learned from the transfer rumor bill. Everton so. like rejects from pretty much any club. Yep, that's true. Uh, as a match, as a li- spoken like a true Liverpool supporter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's let's start recapping those Saturday games. Uh, let's go to the other side of Manchester. Uh, so City, uh, City four, Stoke one, and Sergio Aguero just he's still he's still ridiculous. I don't know why he was slipping in drafts, especially Andrew getting him in the second round of the expert draft for the for for Taga. Um, he, just like Zlatan, who's been more impressive to you, Aguero or Zlatan? I'd probably say Zlatan just because we knew this, like Aguero was capable of it. The the slipping to the second round and uh, Todd Shank's article about whether Aguero was a first round pick was never an ability question. It was always just a health, uh, a health one. And so, you know, when he's fit, which he is right now, he's absolutely dominant. And uh, clearly, that trip to, midweek trip to Romania did nothing to <laughs> worry them in a gross day in the middle of august in stoke yeah and uh and chris uh, the other the other name that got on the score sheet twice was uh nolito and is this somebody are we finally going to see the end of the likes of jesus navas or raheem sterling i was just thinking that and i i think we're going to see the end or not necessarily the end but uh navas i don't expect him to be in the lineup um especially with nolito coming in although his two goals were pretty much on a platter they were uh when, whenever somebody can score two goals com- coming off the bench, there uh, there's a good likelihood that they're going to continue in that starting lineup. Yeah, we um, we we definitely got a taste of Raheem Sterling. Actually, you know his his confidence level is up, and we also got the typical Jesus Navas, which is uh, he's really fast. He gets to the end line, and crosses to the wrong team. That <laughs> that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much Jesus Navas in a nutshell. Uh, but Raheem Sterling also getting on the board with an assist. Kevin De Bruyne getting off the schneid with an assist as well. Along with Nicholas Otamendi and Kalechi Iannaccio. Uh Shawcross, of course, gave up the penalty, but it provided an assist for Stoke for Boyan, who scored on his penalty. Um, what I liked about this game, uh, and Andrew, I'll, I'll go to you for this first. Uh, I know Mike Dean was, you know, he called um, two penalties in this game, and there actually could have been more on the same principle, basically holding in the box on corner kicks. And the announcers were talking about it, and I was tweeting about it. And I, I'm, I, I commend Mike Dean for his bravery in this matter. And I hope that corner kicks become more dangerous because there's less grabbing and holding. I think it's one of those that they're trying to lay the law down early. And at some point, we're just going to get where there are just too many, too many penalties. And they're just going to go back to letting them kind of fight in the box. Like... 
there's just as much pulling and pulling, pulling and pushing on both sides that like, it's difficult to, you know, one guy falls down, but then it turns out he was actually being pulled. Um, or the, the other guy was pulling, like it, it's just so very difficult to see who is the one creating all of the contact that I think they're actually going to end up letting more, more of that go. Uh, Chris, do you agree? Yeah, I'd kind of agree there too. Uh, I think we saw it, was it in the Middlesbrough Sunderland game on Sunday where it was that PK they got was kind of a little bit sketchy. Um, but it's, you know, it's soccer. There's going to be a little bit of fighting and grabbing in the box. And I think that if they try to call it too much, that we're going to see a, a, a big boom in PKs and preferably for the fans and for the players. We don't want to, I don't necessarily want to see a lot of PKs uh, deciding games. Well, for me, it's more long term. Like it could change just the way people defend, you know. Uh, corner kicks you might just get more goals straight from corner kicks that they can't grab um it, it, i think it all depends on how long term you want to look at it but um i i like it i i like more goals anything that gets more goals is good for me <laughs> uh, also because for fantasy wise it gets more people on the board too yeah. so it always helps uh but you know for me i just think it's a i think it's a long-term good thing as long as they stick to it but if they don't then i think it's just annoying but I think it's time to get to Liverpool, Andrew. What do you think? I guess so. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so I was, I was fa- I, on the last week's podcast said that I was going to start Tom Heaton with all the confidence in the world, not because he, not because of a clean sheet, but because he'd get a ton of saves. Um, so what actually happened was he got five saves, which is nice, but he also got the clean sheet and a win as well. So just full points for Tom Heaton. Uh, Sam Vokes and Andre Gray Vokes, the, the wonder goal for, for Burnley. And new boy Stephen Defor got an assist along with Andre Gray. So, I mean, Andre Gray was the guy to have along with Tom Heaton. But, Chris, what happened? Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, they had 81% possession. Uh, I know on that first goal, uh, that was Klein who kind of gave it up out of the, out of the uh, back line. Um, I, fir- I think that first goal was for Gray, I believe. Oh, it was Vokes, excuse oh, me. Vokes. And, uh, and so he gives it up, and uh, Vokes takes it well and just finishes it, but... There's before Klein received the ball. There was probably about two other passes before that where they could have just hit it deep instead of trying to play it out of the back, and uh, that was pretty disappointing to see that start. You know, to start that off there, and then to go the rest of the game with that amount of possession, and then finally to give up that second goal um, in the 37th minute, right before halftime. It was kind of a backbreaker, and then you just saw no creativity out of you know any of the attacking options out from Liverpool. So just generally a pretty uh, pretty disappointing loss for them. But uh, we'll you know we'll see what. What happens with them? And I was really disappointed in Daniel Sturridge as well, not only from a fantasy standpoint, but you know from watching him as well. He didn't see a whole lot from him. Yeah, Andrew, it, it, is this just a blip in the radar for Liverpool offensively, or is this, uh, or are there warning signs here? Any red flags? I, I think they, strangely enough, still need to figure out like how to play through Sturridge and Roberto Firmino has also been fairly quiet the last you know these opening two matches, but. They moved James Milner to left back in place of uh, Alberto Moreno. Moreno kind of had a dreadful game in the opener against Arsenal, but I'm not sure Milner was really the the solution. So I think that's one of the places they need to firm up. But like attacking wise, yeah, I mean they have so much talent that um, you know it just takes one Coutinho 30, 30 yarder and they get right back in it. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, at least a name on the rumor mill that Chelsea are linked with, which I think is a name that would Liverpool would be w- wanting to get would be Ricardo Rodriguez from uh, from Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, yeah. Uh, I mean, RC's been linked with Arsenal too in the past, but it, it's it, that's one of those names where, especially because the num- the number is twenty million pounds that's being reported, and 
in this, you know, in this Premier League, I think wing uh, fullbacks and wingbacks are very valuable, and I think that would be a good signing for any of those three teams. To be fair, but that's just a name to look out for on the rumor mill. That would be a name that I'd be bidding for for sure if he actually came into Liverpool or to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Just to keep in mind. Uh, I mentioned Stephen Defor, the uh, debut for Burnley. He had got he got with an assist, and he's just an overall solid midfielder. And someone in Taga formats and fan tracks format in our EFSA league actually is someone who I might bid on this week. Um, he'll get tackles, he'll break up play, and he'll also apparently provide an assist. Uh, what do you so, think? What do you think? In a hundred bucks? In the yeah, EFSA? Exactly. Yep, just a, a slight discount from uh, from Pogba. Pogba. Yep. All right. Uh, so, of course, uh, uh, this is a nice segue here. Liverpool uh, finally completed its transfer out for uh, Christian Benteke to Crystal Palace, uh, right at basically right after Crystal Palace got shut out by Spurs, one nothing, uh, and Victor Wanyama of all people scoring the goal, uh, assisted by Harry Kane. Uh, for Harry Kane, finally he gets some fantasy points, but. <laughs> Uh, Victor Wanyama, I think we've seen his only goal of the season. And uh, Andrew, will he score more goals or get more red, red cards? Red cards, yeah. It'll be <laughs> two to one or three to one. Yeah, it's nobody should be looking at this guy thinking that scoring goals is now like part of his game because he's with Spurs. Yeah, and and Chris, I mean, we talked. We just I just mentioned uh, Christian Benteke. We know Andrew and I. Our thoughts on Benteke to Palace are well known. Uh, what are your thoughts on this move? Well, I'm happy that uh, Liverpool finally sold him. Um, just was never going to really work with uh, kind of the setup that we have at Liverpool. Um, but I'm excited to see him at Crystal Palace. I think he's going to get a lot of good service, uh, some good crosses. Um, they have good options there for Townsend. Um, and so I expect him to maybe put in 10 to 15 goals this season. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. And I think that it'll work a lot better with Palace. That being said, Palace have been – I don't think they've, they've won what one match in their last – 23 league games or something something ridiculous like that but they definitely needed a scoring option up top and uh hopefully this helps them out as i'm a pretty big fan of palace as well so yeah so andrew i think uh the connor wickham days are finally over i believe they are yes <laughs> i mean he I was won. always I a think, place i think over. i i think i finally won this argument about connor wickham and how he's just garbage um he was i mean there are certain teams that can use him effectively and i'm not sure well actually he was pretty good uh, a little bit last year when they, when he was fit, but he's just never fit for long enough. He's just more of a you know one of these hold up, hold up strikers that doesn't really do much else other than hold the ball up. So he can also hit the ball really hard, but just doesn't usually go in the net. Not always, no, not always. But yeah. so I, I think uh, I think Crystal Palace will be welcoming the Benteke edition, and uh, there's a chance that he starts right away. And if he does, uh, Chris, would you, you would you use him in a in a season long or a weekly format? Yes, I, I'd absolutely use him. Um, I mean, he'll probably get a, a lot of looks in goal, obviously, with uh, Punchin and Townsend providing uh, some crosses in. And I think he really just fits well into that system. Um, one player I'm interested with uh, Crystal Palace to see what happens is Johan Kabaya. Um, haven't seen him the last two weeks, and I'm not really sure if he's battling an injury or what the deal with that is. But I think he's one, you know, one of those players that can really provide a little bit of stability in the midfield for Crystal Palace all season long if he's healthy. Um, and can definitely play some balls in for Ben Taike too. Yeah, and it combines being eased back in from his Euro, uh, from his Euro summer with France. But yeah, that I, long I, trip I, he had of being on the bench for every Euro. Yeah, match. That's right. Hey, he had to train. That's right. He got no vacation. Uh, <laughs> I, I look. I can't rationalize it any any more than that. But 
Uh, I mean, for Palace, I mean, I, I think he'll be back soon anyway. And it's just, it's one of those things where the guy, the, I think the person who take the biggest hit is Wilfred Zaha because I don't think he'll be, I'm not sure how much he'll be entrusted to actually go forward and, and express himself because Benteke is going to be in his way. So unless he can get his crosses in, I don't think he's going to be able to showcase much, many of his talents. I'm not sure I agree at all, actually. I think he, he's not going to be as central as, as Benteke will be. So I think he'll be able to kind of dart in from the wing and then get his points that way. Chris? Yeah, I think I'm – I would say I would agree more with you, Mike, than I'd agree with Andrew here. I like this guy. Um, but, <laughs> sorry, Andrew. Um, I just think Kabai takes about a lot of that space. And that for as far as fantasy value, he's got a lot more fantasy value than Saha, in my opinion. I'll agree with that, yeah. All right. Uh, I got the answer I wanted, so I'm going to move on. All right, Swansea <laughs> nil, Hull 2. What's going on here, guys? Uh, Hull have – Hull are you – know, oh, I just – I can't believe it. They have 13 senior players that are fit, and they're 2-0. and oh. and, and, the, and Swansea always starts the season well. I've been saying it the past couple of weeks, and Jakubowicz, you know, gets a lot of points here, but it's – it's it's the we it's the weirdest thing. I mean, Abel Hernandez getting a goal finally. Uh, you know the he, that that five inch assist that he got last week. But it's it's just a we it's just so weird to see Hull being undefeated here and actually above Chelsea in the table, for example. Chris, can you explain any of this? Or it's madness, pure madness at this point. Uh, I I don't expect this to continue, but uh, we said that with Leicester City last year. Almost. They're definitely not going to be up to the level that Leicester City does next uh, did last season, but uh, it's nice to see them come up and then get a couple games under their belt along with a couple of wins. Uh, but we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, I think this is the first. This is the earliest in about seven years. I think I heard the the, uh, or the earliest time either in the last seven years or in the Premier League altogether that all three promoted teams won in the same game week. Wow. So. I, I think I think it was either in the last seven years or in the entire Premier League. I forgot which of the two. And they all but, scored two goals. It's not like they each like nipped a one nothing. <clears throat> that is true. I did not even think about that. But uh, for for Hull, Andrew, uh, the name that jumps out at most people is actually a defender, Curtis Davis. Yeah, you're in uh, you know the you know tackles interceptions leagues like we are in Taga and and and, and EFSA. Is this something that can continue even without you know like the clean sheets and the the low scoring games, or is this is this something that's just a flash in the pan? Uh, I have Andrew Robertson too, somebody that you were plugging earlier this season. But no, I think I think the run is over. They they host Man United next, and we were talking before the season started how tough their early season schedule is. I think these are two you know two solid ways to start the season, but I still think they finish last. And uh, Chris, do you think uh, do you think Hall have done enough to warrant you know someone picking up someone like Andrew Robertson or Curtis Davis? I would say definitely Curtis Davis. Um... I'm not so sure about Robertson. Davis has been pretty good for them so far, as well as Robertson. But um, in a season long, I'm not. I would play around with the idea of sliding them in, depending on matchups. But other than that, I don't see Curtis Davis uh, providing a whole lot of more uh, assists. But definitely uh, good. He's good in the air. Um, wins a lot of interceptions as well. So he could be a good value if you're looking for a center back to slot in or a defender. Yeah, and I'll, I'm gonna do this in a little bit of a different way here for the rest of the season you know if you have to you know gun to your head right now curtis davis or jordy amat andrew oh <laughs> uh, i guess davis but i don't like either of them 
You'll peel just pass overall. Yeah, okay. yeah I'd prefer Chris? to look elsewhere. Uh, I'm going to go Davis as well. Uh, I guess there's, just to back up a little bit, there's uh, kind of another guy who's a center back looking at him. It's John Stones has been pretty disappointing. We kind of skipped over that in the Manchester City, but Davis has outperformed him as far as fantasy goes so far this season. So I know as a uh, fellow John Stones owner uh, that I've I've thought about, toyed with the idea of picking up Davis and sliding him in for Stones this week, but uh, we'll have to take a look at that. But I would go with Davis. Yeah, and the last note that I'll have, I have from this game at least, is that Abel Hernandez is looking dangerous again, like the player they bought two or three years ago uh, to bring in to actually help them score some goals there in the Premier League uh, two seasons ago. So, Andrew, is this something that you would look at going forward as a value striker? Uh, I'm probably... Well, Maybe not this week. Yeah, I was going to say, this Manchester week is United's tough. tough yeah, they got Manchester United, Burnley, which is a fine one, and then Arsenal. So, um, and then Liverpool, although I guess we shouldn't hesitate there, but... Yeah, you might want to slot him in there with that yeah, back line. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if he's in that for FPL, he's probably in that Andre Gray, Alvaro Negredo range. So, yeah, he he's definitely worthy of that that kind of spot. Yeah, I think he'd be a nice differential play, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, the, I would say so. Definitely for, um, for – we're talking Davies still? No, no, no. Uh, Hernan- uh, Abel Hernandez. Oh, Abel, Abel, yeah. Um, definitely as far as uh, – a player, if you need to slot him in, if you have injuries as well, he's going to be the number one striker all season long. So I'd expect him to pop in, you know, 10 to 15 goals this year as well. I, I So I famously said last season that uh, Patrick Bamford, when he went to Palace, was going to score like at least 12 goals with that <laughs> midfield. So I'm hesitant to Uh-oh. say those kind of predictions anymore now. So okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you keep saying it, but just keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, all right, so uh, Watford at home. Uh, sorry, Watford and Chelsea. It was Watford one, Chelsea two. And Chris, what do you think is the bigger upset that Batshuayi didn't start after his week one, or that Etienne Kapue scored his second goal in as many games? It's got to be Kapue. I think he had one goal last year. Um, I think he's had I one actually, goal until. Yeah, he hadn't scored in fifty nine league games or something absurd. Um, but uh, I actually have him in another Toga league that I'm in, and I've been pleasantly pr- surprised by starting him the last few weeks. Uh, with didn't did not expect him to score any goals, but uh, I expected him to kind of you know win uh, win balls out of the air inter- with interceptions as well. Um, but uh, I'll take the goals where I can get them, especially out of him when I slot him in, kind of unknowing what his uh, his talents were. If I t- uh, Andrew, if I told you on Toga scoring. Uh... How, what, where do you think Etienne Kapoue ranks in terms of midfielders? Like now or? Right now, after the first two games played. First. He is third. Yeah. He is behind Coutinho and Eden Hazard. <laughs> Good, company. Good company. Good <clears throat> company. Uh, just, just to put it in perspective how, how good he has been. So kudos to Chris for actually having Etienne Kapoue's. So yeah, Late sleeper I picked him up as. That's nuts. <laughs> So good work by you. Um, so it's hard to say, uh, you know, uh, with Chelsea here because uh, they went down one nothing in this game and scored two goals late uh, after bringing Batshuayi on. Uh, and what was what was impressive to me is how quickly he's able to be effective for one. But what was interesting to me is you got the full frustration level of, of Fabregas in one game. 
he's he's frustrating to watch from an effort perspective, but that pass that he had to Costa for the oh, second goal was beautiful. I, I don't know if anyone else can make that pass. And it's so frustrating, but uh, it was good. To, it was good. Uh, you know, as a Chelsea supporter, I'm happy to see that. Uh, so Fabregas and Hazard got the assists on the Batshuayi and Costa goals. And Chris, uh, we talked about this uh, a little bit before the podcast started, but you got to think that Batshuayi and Costa have to start together at some point soon, correct? I would say so, especially maybe drop Oscar out of that lineup and and just sit with Conte and Matic in the middle. Um, just because Costa and Betsui could be pretty dangerous up top, especially with Hazard and Pedro or whoever else is going to will on, um, or you know, out on the right for them. So I, I would assume that they go with that two striker lineup, whether it's in behind or um, as like a four four two. I'm not really sure, but I would expect them to start next week, hopefully, yeah, or hopefully as a four two four one of these days. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> um, Andrew, the same question. Yeah, I don't see how you can you know watch how well Batshuayi and Costa played together for at least a limited time and think that that's not worth just starting a game with. At least just to see it. Uh, I mean, you're not going to do it We've seen it, right? I mean... Well, I mean, you've seen it in short spurts, but just to see it for a long period of time. I mean, the next week is the week to do it. Chelsea play Burnley. Burnley aren't going to come out and attack them. Mm -mm. So I, I... Anyway, I don't want to make this a Chelsea podcast like I tend to do. So uh, let's uh, let's uh, keep it at that, and we'll move on to uh, West Brom at home getting one goal, but unfortunately giving up two to Everton, uh, if you're a West Brom supporter, unfortunately. But Gareth McCauley got West Brom's goal, and Kevin Morales and Gareth Barry, the unlikely pairing of goal scorers for Everton. But Ross Barkley getting on the score sheet again with an assist, uh, and also uh, uh, Mason Holgate got his assist as well, which is what Andrew terms as a fluky assist. Well, it was a shot that he duffed into the ground that just happened to bounce high enough for somebody to head it in. So, yes, I would call that a fluky assist. <laughs> I think it was a great onside kick. I don't know yeah. about you. Last but, touch uh, before the goal or whatever you tried to tried to call it last week. Uh, Eltog, right. uh, which is, of course, incorrect. Right. Uh, but for Chris, for Chris here, as a, Liber- as a Liverpool supporter, are you worried how Everton look under Ronald Koeman so er, uh, so good so early? Uh, I would say I'm not as worried as uh, – I mean, I'm worried about that Lukaku staying. That's the biggest thing that I'm worried about. I thought he was going to be out all, all summer long. I thought that he was going to leave. And then coming out this week that he says he's going to stay with the club, that's pretty big news for them, especially with Balassi coming in. Um, I'd still say that I feel confident that Liverpool will be ahead of them in the table, um, but definitely they look pretty dangerous so far. I didn't expect Gareth Barry to get on the t- team sheet, nor did I think anybody else did, but um, we'll see. I know they, they've definitely made some major improvements this summer, especially from Martinez to Komen. So we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor it and see if they can uh, beat out Liverpool in the table, but I, I highly doubt it. Yeah, And Andrew, one of your favorites, uh, Ben Foster, getting five saves again. So... Um, you know, I think it's, it's six points in most scoring, I think, for him. But is he someone that's pretty safe even in a bad matchup because he's going to get some saves? Um, I usually try to, you know, in, in formats where it's a little easier to move your, your goalkeeper in and out, basically for DFS, I try not to stay away from bad matchups. I mean, as, as stupid as that sounds, but like, you know, uh, just because, you know, West Brom have been traditionally good at home, I probably would have stayed away from, from Everton. So... You know, it was fine to have him in in the season long things that I have him in, but I wouldn't, I didn't pick him in DFS or anything. 
<sighs> All right, Andrew, let's get to this uh, Dallas bathwater game between Leicester and Arsenal. Um, n- n- nothing, nothing. So not and nothing to report in terms of goals or assists. But I mean, Casper Schmeichel got four saves and Peter Cech got one. But if you're Arsenal, if you're as an Arsenal supporter, you've got to be pretty nervous about how your team looks, right? Um, I'm still in the boat of not being nervous yet. Um, just because we're still easing Mesut Ozil and Olivier Giroud. Koscielny started, obviously, but that was because they uh, they needed him. The Rob Holding-Callum Chambers combo obviously didn't work in the opener, but, you know, getting a shutout at Leicester is pretty good, so I'd say that's a good step. And then once uh, Ozil and Giroud are back to full fitness and they stop thinking that Alexis Sanchez can play centrally, then I think they'll be fine. <sighs> Chris, from the Leicester side, uh, I mean, they started the season pretty disappointingly against Hull, but getting the one point here, is this job done for Leicester, or is this a game where you know you want you wanted to see more? I mean, only mustering one shot on target. Yeah, I would say I was pretty disappointed with the way that they came out. Um, they kind of at the kind of developed kind of at the end of the uh, end of the match where they were able to get a couple chances, but nothing really came of it. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm interested to see. I feel like in, uh, the loss of Conte has really hurt them, especially winning the ball through the middle and kind of springing those counterattacks that they were so good at last year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. But I am definitely still all in on Vardy. Um, I know there's there's quite a few people who are interested to see. You know, does if he goes, he's 31, I believe. If he's going to be able to keep up what he did last year, and at this point, um, we haven't seen it yet, but I think he'll start to, you know, bulge the old onion sack and start scoring some goals this season. Uh, uh, Riyad Mahrez, uh, are you worried about him, Andrew? No. Okay. Short and succinct. I like it. We'll move on. Uh, Sunderland at home against Middlesbrough in the Where Tees Derby. Uh, I, I got the pronunciation of it wrong last week, so thank you for correcting me on Twitter. Uh, so Sunderland won, Middlesbrough two. Burrow looked dominant to start but then Sunderland really grew into the game as it as it got along and uh Chris as someone who you know let's say if you were an Alvaro Negredo you know if you're all in on Alvaro Negredo he got his two assists on both of the Stuani goals um is this something that you think can keep up uh, over the year as far as Negredo is concerned uh I don't I don't think so um in one spot where we missed Negredo's quality was on a finish he was uh, through on goal and then just couldn't put it home, and it was a nice, uh, it was a really nice ball in, and I couldn't believe he put it, didn't uh, finish it. But I think he might be able to provide a couple assists. But I don't see him as a as a huge player in the Middlesbrough, uh, like as far as keeping them up. I, I don't think Middlesbrough is going to keep up this year. But that's just me. Yeah, and Andrew um, gloat. Patrick Van Onholt got a goal, so of course he outscored George Friend. Uh, so uh, of course Van Onholt what he's known for is his offense, not his defense as evident by the scoreline as well. Uh, but from a Sunderland perspective, the offense is particularly Jermaine Defoe absent so far to start the season. Yeah. I think the, they're still trying to figure out like which, who the pieces that are going to play are like Wabi Kosri hasn't gotten any like legitimate playing time. And it looks like he might not, um, Lyndon Gooch, who I feel like we have to talk about because we're Americans anyway, has actually looked pretty good uh, over these first two matches. Uh, he's playing more uh, centrally, so uh, that could be taking up 
you know, the spot that Kazru would have. Adnan Yanazai is definitely going to get as much playing time as he can handle just because Moyes, uh, you know, Moyes loved him at Manchester United, and there's a reason why he brought him here. So uh, I think they Moyes just needs to figure out who the pieces are first before they can really give a run. And uh, everybody was kind of making a big deal because he said they were, you know, probably going to be in a relegation fight this year. And I think that's, you know, I I think they will be. Like, I think they'll stay up, but I, you know, this... This team almost got relegated last year, so the idea that they're going to be some sort of mid-table team this year after changing, having to change managers, you know, just before the season started, uh, thinking that team's not going to struggle for at least a little bit, I think, is a little naive. But uh, they they're starting; they have the right pieces. I think he just needs to figure out how they fit together. And if we're going to talk about Americans, uh, we can't we can't skip over Brad Guzan getting four saves and a win in this one. So. Uh, about saying that's going to continue as long as Victor Valdez is healthy. It's his it's his position. But uh, going back to Chris here. B- before uh, you do, did, did you know that he's now tied his win total from last year, Guzan? I did not know that. Isn't that crazy? He won once that's last nuts. year. <laughs> One game. Anyway. I'm still floored by that stat. That's really good stat. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna ask uh, uh, Christian Stuani uh, on Middlesbrough. He, th- th- this is what he's brought in to do to be that midfielder who can also chip in with goals. And him and Negredo obviously showed a, a tremendous partnership together, uh, combining for both of the goals. Um, I asked you about Negredo earlier, but Stuani, um, is this, is this someone you know as a midfielder, or if he's a, categorized as a forward? I, I don't, I don't, I haven't actually looked him up on Taga or yet. But is this someone you'd be looking at, or is this just a flash in the pan because it's Sunderland? Uh, I would say so, especially if he can continue to hit balls like uh, that first goal he scored. Um, definitely a player that I'm going to take a look at this week on waivers uh, to see if I can slot him in for anybody, especially with Kapui going out. I, I'm not sure if he is a forward or a midfielder on Togger or not, but uh, definitely somebody I want to take a look at. Yeah, and I'm I'm just looking it up really, really quickly, but I believe he's going to be classified as a forward. Yes, he is. So it's, uh, so if you, if you need forward help, Christian Stuani, if you know as long as he continues to play, someone who plays nicely at least with Alvaro Negredo. So something to keep in mind from the Middlesbrough perspective. But we're gonna we're gonna get to the final game of the weekend here because uh, we're start we're gonna start to round the show here. But uh, West Ham won with a very late goal by Mikel Antonio get the win over Burnmouth. Uh, Gokin Torre, uh, he's no Andre Ayew, but he's still got an assist. And, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's no but, Dimitri uh, Payet either. No, he's not. But uh, what happened here was Mikel Antonio was restored to a midfielder, and he looked great. Uh, that's really the, the 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 moral of the story here. Uh, so uh, Sam Byram got the start at right back, and uh, Masuaku still looked good at left back. So someone who we talked about last week and. For Burnmouth, uh, for me personally, even though I have Antonio on my EFSA team, which is great that he scored, uh, he did cost me my perfect 3-0 and for the week because I had Charlie Daniels going for that clean sheet on Burnmouth, and I lost by about three points. <laughs> so it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. Uh, but that's the breaks. And on the Burnmouth side, Andrew, Callum Wilson yet to really show anything. Max Gradle still yet to play. Uh, offensively, Burnmouth look a little—I don't want to say lost, but they, they, it looks flaccid. Well, they just haven't figured out who's going to replace Matt Ritchie. Uh, he was such a, a vital part of the middle of that midfield. Junior Stanislas has been out too. I mean, those two were were pretty good creators, and they just don't have anybody uh, who can who can take over that role. 
And so if, if you don't have anybody who can set up a goal, it's tough for the goal scorers to be able to get a ball where they need it. Callum Wilson did have one uh, volley that looked like it was going to be a great goal, and he just happened to hit it right at the goalkeeper. But the I think the problem is that they just can't, there's no smooth transition from, uh, you know, bringing it from the back to the front. And when that's the case, you just end up kind of playing long balls and they just don't, they don't have the players who can, who can take that and run with it. Uh, and uh, I'll, uh, as a Liverpool supporter, Chris, I mean, you got, you got to look at Jordan Ive when he was there. Um, you know, as a Burmouth player, he, he's not really doing the creating that's necessary. Is this something that's, um, did, did, did they not spend their money wisely on Ibe, or is he just adjusting to life on the South Coast? At this point, I think he's he's kind of adjusting. Uh, he never really got the playing time that he was looking for at Liverpool. We saw some flashes kind of uh, of what he can do in a couple of different games, but never really you never really saw it over 90 minutes. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see if he can put a performance together for a whole game. There was really only one instance in that, in that, uh, that match where we saw a little bit of magic. He kind of just... Uh, went around a couple players and then couldn't get across um, across the box there. But yeah, we'll see if he can. I think that he will grow into um, his shoes at Bournemouth. But uh, for now, he hasn't done it yet. Yeah, and uh, Andrew on the West Ham side, uh, they looked. I mean, without. I mean, they're going to be without Andy Carroll for a while. So uh, I think uh, Cagliari uh, was was in, the, or at least came in as a sub, and he started. Uh, he came in as a sub for Valencia, and they looked a lot more dangerous when that happened. Um, is this something where you're worried about Andrew Valencia's playing time as well, or is this just, uh, you know, this just happened to be how it happened at the end of the game? I'm not sure. I thought about Andrew Valencia a whole lot anyway, but um, what'll what'll be a big uh, boost for them is that the Piat injury sounds like it's not serious. He could be back in a week, and uh, Manuel Lanzini's coming back, uh, possibly, uh, you know, this coming weekend or the one after. So they're they're just a very midfield driven uh, team. And so when you have somebody, but like Payet, obviously, you know, that's going to be the case, but uh, what we saw on Monday or excuse me on Sunday, just, uh, you know, they, they beat a club that just isn't on their level right now. But uh, to say that, like, that's the team that, that they're going to keep going with um, doesn't really apply because, you know, their best player uh, wasn't there and arguably, you know, one of their, you know, second best midfielder is coming back too. So, uh, I think moving Antonio back up, I think that's going to stay, though. Like, I don't know why. I mean, obviously, Byram wasn't doing enough uh, to to take that role, but Antonio's just so much better in a, in a more attacking position than he is at right back. And Byram's a, a decent enough defender that they should be able to, to keep Antonio up there. And then when you have Antonio, Lanzini, and Payet, uh, you know, you can put anybody, if it's Torre or whoever, like, I, I think that's going to be the, kind of the engine that moves them. Yeah, and just one last note, Adrian got five saves uh, in this shutout, so he did very nicely for himself. I'm sure Andrew appreciated that in EFSA as well. <sighs> just, uh, you know, it's a very interesting week for me, and, um, you know, before I actually I do want to close on this note here, um, actually I want to get all of your standouts. Actually, you know what, we'll do that first. So, uh, Andrew, I'm going to put you on the spot first and give Chris some time to prepare. But uh, what was your one? What was your one standout performance of the weekend, and why? Uh, I think I'm going to say Zlatan every week. Like again, like we, everybody was kind of like hoping for like peak Zlatan, and I, that's what we're getting. Like this guy has been awesome uh, early on, whether it continues or not. Uh, you know, I think it continues at least for you know until the the possibly through the until the uh, Christmas period, but. 
like the player that we all were like, oh, he's not quite there, but it would be great if he, and like, he's been that great. And so I think that's any time that they're on, people are going to watch because of him. Um, Pogba is obviously a great addition as well, but uh, it's for me, it's like always going to be about Ibrahimovic. All right, Chris, same question. I'm on the other. I'm still with United. Uh, you mentioned Pogba, but every time he had the ball, he looked so dangerous. Um, coming as from box to box, he was able to provide service as well. Um, and then just linking up with all the rest of the studs that they have on United right now, they are looking um, for me like the the uh, cream of the Premier League right now. Um, so I would say Pogba was my standout player of the week. He also should have scored off of a corner too. He got it up on a corner and headed the ball over. And mm. That would have been the perfect cherry on the top for his performance, but it didn't happen, which is fine. Uh, he can, as long as he does all the other things, it'll be fine. But this is why we say that he's a better Taga performer than he is an FPL performer. So just keep that in mind when you look at his FPL pricing and you're wondering why it's so low. That's the reason. All right. For me, uh, I'm going to go a little bit off the board here, but I am going to go Chelsea. And I'm going to go with Michi Batshuayi because what he has done, it's so impressive that he has a goal and an assist in about 16 minutes total. <laughs> uh, it, it's and it's it's also equally impressive to me that he you know, there's not really much um, out outcry for him to start yet. Uh, I, I, it's. It's so interesting to me that it's it's so clear what needs to happen, but it just does it happens at a pace that's so slow at Chelsea. But uh, Michi Batshuayi for me uh, as the standout performer of the weekend, even though he came in as a super sub, uh, he needs to start and he needs to start now. Uh, so on that note, we will end this episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. Chris, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Hope to have you back on soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, Andrew, I'll talk to you later this week when we preview game week three of the Premier League. And we'll talk to you then, guys. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer.